Hounicon. 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 You're listening to Hounicon Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Hounicon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Paige Willett. This episode explores a bit of the holiday season, a piece of craft work passed down through a family, and a traditional Thanksgiving prayer in the Anishinaabe language highlight ways to celebrate with loved ones. There's also an update on the progress of CPN's recycling program and a look at a unique extra task two employees take on once a year. Several of the Higbees, one of the founding citizen Potawatomi Nation families, dedicate themselves to the research of their native genealogy. They meet every month at a tribally owned restaurant to tell each other about their lives, what they discovered in the last few weeks, and swap family stories. However, John Dragoo brought something special to their reunion in October. Between 10 and 15 Higby descendants gathered around a few tables, shoved together at Fire Lake Pizza in Shawnee, Oklahoma, to have a few slices and try to name some unidentified individuals in an old family photo from the mid to late 1930s. Tina Painter believes someone took it during a funeral in rural Oklahoma, and Norma Edmondson agrees. Well, that's what I assumed it was, because they would not get together unless Uh-oh. someone had died, right? Well, I don't know. They all lived around Corbett, so but they're all dressed up. Earlier in 2019, one of their relatives posted pictures of a quilt designed with a family tree in the Higby Facebook group. It remains one of their most complete pieces of their genealogical records. A deceased family member made it as an item for their family auction, which they held every year until the late 2000s. Christine Gifford remembers the annual reunions well. But this is how we, as a family, raised money, because we had officers in our, at our reunion. And this is how we raised money to pay for the food that we ate, to pay for any, if we had to pay for a rental on a building, any of that. That's, this is how we raised the money to do that, is to have the auction every year. With natural artistic abilities, John Dragoo also invested hours into handmade items. But he remembers being outsold by simple recipes, mostly desserts. Well, I hate to say this, but I did a art, piece of artwork. I drew a picture, and that picture probably took me 120 hours to do. And uh, my mother baked a strawberry cake, and her strawberry cake got more money at the <laughs> reunion auction than my 120-hour photograph that I drew. And uh, not that I was upset with my mother, but I didn't talk to her for a while. <laughs> Regathered at the CPN Cultural Heritage Center, Dragoo brought the quilt out of its packaging for the first time in 30 years. Everyone who wanted to handle it wore protective gloves. The tree trunk down the middle of the white cloth holds names dating back to the early 1700s, while the branches spread out as recently as 1989. A rainbow of colors differentiate one family from the next, one group's names underlined in yellow next to another's highlighted in blue. Tina Painter found something unexpected while looking at it for the first time. Here's my mom. This, oh, this awesome. is my mom. This is my grandma. Yeah, there it is. Right at the top. See, you haven't been omitted. 
Well, I, she left that for us today. Oh, look, there's me. Aww. How neat. Painter began studying Potawatomi genealogy and learning about our ancestry over a decade ago. Seeing her family laid out in a visual format helped her learn the structure of the Higbees. Her grandmother seldom spoke about their native side, and part of the reason Painter came from Tulsa to this special gathering was to take a picture of the quilt for her 86-year-old mother. It's amazing that somebody, one of our ancestors, took an interest and did that for all of us. And it's there and can't be lost. I think that's the most important thing is that it's, it's in ink. In addition to the names, the quilt also includes the Higby coat of arms in the upper right-hand corner, as well as roses in the upper left with the words, In Memory of Our Loved Ones. A traditional fire fills the lower left as a symbol for the Potawatomi, known as Keepers of the Fire, and a small map of Corbett, Oklahoma, where many of the Higbees are from, fills the lower right. Where's Boss? Well, or Uncle Horton. Boss. Gifford's mother, Aldadine, also known as Noni, outbid the others for the quilt over three decades ago. Gifford and Edmondson fondly remember her spending $100 or more to satisfy her competitive attitude. If, if somebody had kept bidding against her, she would have kept bidding, and she, no matter she, what it cost No her. matter what it cost, <laughs> and Noni would have got it. She, she wanted it, and she set her mind to it. And... Much of the family thought the quilt was lost for years. Edmondson told Gifford how relieved her daughter was when she found out Gifford had it. She knew it wasn't the other, smaller family quilt Edmondson tried to show her. We couldn't remember who bought it. My daughter, I think, was talking to everybody trying to figure out. Well, I showed her mine, and she those are not what I'm talking about. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, it was this big. Uh -huh. Has she seen it yet? No, I showed her the picture of it. Oh, but yeah. when I told her you had it, I thought she was going to cry. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. She at 21 years old, Reagan Marcy was the youngest of the people looking at the quilt. It was her first time seeing it and her first Higby family meeting, too. Everyone else pointed themselves out on the tree, except for Marcy. She was born nearly a decade after the most recent additions. It's now my job to make the new tree and so I can add myself and my, um, my cousins and stuff on it. So. The Higbees plan to continue their traditions of annual family reunions, monthly meetups, and genealogical preservation. The Higbees are an honored family at next year's Citizen Potawatomi Family Reunion Festival powwow. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency considers geothermal heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems a renewable resource. They use the temperature differences between the ambient air and the stable heat underneath the Earth's surface to heat or cool buildings and other large spaces, which creates fewer pollutants than other methods. Citizen Potawatomi Nation built geothermal ponds to reduce its environmental impact, but several years ago, maintenance workers questioned how to keep the equipment clean. After years of use, the components that sit at the bottom of Fire Lake Lake near tribal headquarters became less efficient. The tribe sent scuba divers to the bottom of the pond to assess the situation in 2016, including Chris Berry.
He is a security guard at CPN Health Services East Clinic, as well as a recreational scuba diver. The first discovery expedition showed a manageable issue with the heat exchangers, which absorb or disperse the heat needed to achieve the desired temperature. We went down, took pictures, showed them, hey, they're basically just blanketed in this algae, and there's no way that they can dispense the heat like they're supposed to because they're basically just covered in like a blanket. So... Barry and Eric Reed, a conservation law enforcement officer for the CPN Department of Realty, began cleaning the heat exchangers in 2016. They dove together in the geothermal pond for the third time at the beginning of October 2019. It's, it's a good job. I mean, we do a good job for the tribe. We get them as clean as we possibly can, and that way they work as long as they can until they, you know, they get the overgrowth takes them over again, and we have to come back out and clean again. They could use chemicals, but it would kill every living thing in the pond. And the chairman does not want that. He wants the fish. He wants the wildlife not to be harmed at all. So that's that's why we do the scrub job on them. That's the safest way for the environment. Eight heat exchangers sit in the pond, and the divers spend an average of three hours on each one. They take breaks between plunges to allow the pressurized gas from the diving tanks now in their bloodstreams, to escape at a natural pace. Decompression sickness can be caused from diving when you're too tired. Your body's ability to fight off the nitrogen that builds up in your system under pressure underwater. One tank allows for a 50 to 65 minute dive. However, their physical exertion increases their air use, which reduces their time underwater. Reed and Barry keep track of their intake with digital monitors on their wrists they wear with the rest of their gear. Scrubbing that stuff's not easy <laughs> and controlling your breathing at the same time. You know, you can't, it's not like running and jogging. You have to control what you're using because you're limited on how much you can use. Scuba gear is heavy. Barry and Reed carry approximately 75 pounds each. They ease suiting up by taking the tanks into the water before strapping them to their bodies, allowing the buoyancy to do the heavy lifting. Well, a 75 yard swim and we'll beat it to the job site. <laughs> to clean the geothermal equipment, Barry and Reed head 20 feet under the surface to the base of the exchangers, which are seven to eight inches off the ground. Reed says the scrubbing significantly reduces their field of vision. Because once you get scrubbing, the algae comes up and uh, it, it'll, it's like a snow effect and it blocks, blocks a lot of your vision. And sometimes you can get uh, disoriented and a little bit dizzy if you start watching that floating around in front of you. So sometimes you got to close your eyes and uh, just kind of let that phase out. Both Barry and Reed consider themselves outdoorsmen and animal lovers and they enjoy contributing in a protective way get down there and the fish come up to you to your mask and uh, swim around in front of you and uh, sometimes you can reach out and they'll they'll get up in your palm of your hand and kind of just hover there it's it's pretty neat pretty exciting barry began diving after knee surgery as low impact recreation and exercise and became a certified rescue diver nine years ago Barry learned to dive at Scuba Dude's Dive Shop in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and introduced Reed to the instructors. He felt the need to become certified as a service to the community. Reed witnessed recovery efforts after a drowning at Shawnee Twin Lakes 
and he and others waited for divers to come from Oklahoma City, 35 miles away. Uh, the rescues come out there and they said it would be 45 minutes for somebody to come out from the city to uh, help retrieve the body that was underwater. And I just thought that was ridiculous that there wasn't anybody in Pottawatomie County that uh, would be available to assist in that type of emergency. But Reed enjoys it as a hobby as well. Uh, it's just altogether all a stress reliever to get underwater and uh, there's no outside noise other than the only noise you have is the, the bubbles from your exhaust coming out of your regulator and it's just peaceful. They both serve as part of the CPN Police Department's dive team and take scuba vacations together with larger groups of people. Cozumel is one of their favorite destinations, but Barry says they find places to hit the water in Oklahoma too. We, we dive 10 killer quite a bit, uh, Ardmore down at Lake Murray, just anywhere there's clear enough water to, to enjoy yourself. Find out more about scuba diving by visiting the Scuba Dudes Dive Shop online at thescubadudes.com. It's time for learning language when CPN Language Department Director Justin Neely teaches songs, phrases, stories, and more. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, he teaches a Thanksgiving prayer anyone can use before their family meal. So this is a, a kind of a simple prayer that you can give at, uh, at holidays, perhaps Thanksgiving or at Christmas, or even just when you gather as a family. So it, it's, I'm going to say the prayer all the way through, and then I'll talk about each of the lines uh, after I'm done. Nui madmo, mamo gosnan, miigwech, jak shigago, gagishtoyin, miigwech oda menogishget, kawab meshnak, jaganaganan, miigwech emaujish noego gom, io. What I said was that first part that Nui Madmo means I'm going to pray. Nui Madmo. Mamo Gosnan is our word for creator, literally, greatest father of us all. Mamo Gosnan. Miigwech, it means thank you. That's a great word to learn that you can use in everyday conversation. Miigwech. Jock Shigago, everything. Gagishtoyin, that you have created. Miigwech again, thank you. Oda, this. Menogizgit, this beautiful or good day. Menogizgit's one you might want to use kind of regularly, talking about the day. It's a beautiful day. Menogizgit. Kwab Meshnak, watch over us. Jaganaganan, all of my relations. So, Kwab Meshnak, watch over us. Jaganaganan, all my relations. Miigwech, again, thank you. Emau, or in this sense, we're thankful. Emau Jeshnoyago. Amau Jeshnoyago, that we're that we're all gathered here, gom today. Il. Amen or an ending. Il. Nui Madmo. Mamo Gosnan Miguech Jak Shigago Gagishtoyin. Miguech Oda Menogishget. Kwab Meshnak Nedinwin Maganak. Miguech Amau Jeshnoyago Ngom. Il. For more information and opportunities with language, including self-paced classes, visit cpn.news backslash language. You can find an online dictionary at potawatomidictionary.com, as well as videos on YouTube. Just search CPN Hanukkah. 
There are also Potawatomi courses on the language learning app, Memrise. CPN's growth since the 1970s has made it the biggest employer in Potawatomi County. With enterprises, services, and government offices, waste generation has also increased. Several years ago, the Environmental Department started an internal recycling program. Environmental Sustainability Specialist Jeff Tompkins says over the last two years, those efforts resulted in tens of thousands of pounds of regenerated products and trash reduction. Thanks for talking with me today. Glad to be here. So when did CPN's recycling program start? Uh, well, I I came on board 2017, and they had had some a few things going on before I started, but it was definitely in the uh, preliminary stages. One of the first things that me and my director, Sean Howard, uh, wanted to establish was um, just coordinating, communicating with directors and managers on what our goals and things we wanted to do were. So we started by um, doing monthly green team meetings where we would meet with all of CPN's managers and directors and kind of express and explain to them what our goals were and how we were going to try to get there. Those uh, connections and and relationships eventually led me to meeting several maintenance and housekeeping personnel and just working with them. I was able to kind of come up with our uh, first plan of action as far as dispersing bins and just kind of doing collection within the administration building there. And that's kind of led to uh, basically, every housekeeper and every maintenance person uh, has, has greatly helped me uh, progress the recycling program from bringing me material that's generated from the departments they're over. So, yeah, they, they've been, you know, excellent, and they're a huge part of our success. CPN operates a wide variety of enterprises and government offices, including restaurants and grocery stores, recreational facilities, the offices that you were just talking about that the maintenance workers and housekeepers are over. So obviously there are a significant number of opportunities to recycle waste. So tell me a bit about what the tribe's recycling program accepts and reuses. Currently we are accepting cardboard, paper shred, aluminum cans and steel cans or uh, food cans. The reason that we don't accept every type of recycled product is just simply because we don't have the personnel and we don't have the um, the storage space or the location yet, um, although we are moving towards that more and more each day. Now, that being said, we still recycle all plastics and styrofoam and glass and all those those things, everything that can be recycled. Uh, the process for the other materials is simply that if, as long as it's placed in a clear plastic sack and taken and put in the green recycling bins outside of the department, um, those bins are placed by a local solid waste contractor. And once they're placed there, they come by and they, they monitor those bins for the materials that we do not recycle. And so they're still getting recycled, essentially, just not by us. How much in total does the tribe recycle then? To date, we have recycled about 94,000 pounds of cardboard, uh, 35,000 pounds of shred, 3,000 pounds of aluminum, 33,000 pounds of food cans or steel metal food cans. Um, And then additionally, we have about 20,000 pounds of scrap metal. So uh, in total, in just under 20 months, we have collected roughly 200,000 pounds of material. 
CPN also holds large events throughout the year, and one of the biggest is the Family Reunion Festival at the end of each June. So the hashtag CPN Recycles Drive on social media seems to always be a popular activity over that weekend. Where do the items collected end up? Any material that is cardboard, shred, aluminum, or steel that is collected during that event or any other event that we host throughout the year, um, we, once again, we keep it and we take it to our current facility for separating and processing. And then anything that is a plastic or a styrofoam or a glass, we still recycle and we still collect. And um, those things are then just separated and placed in the clear plastic sacks and then dispersed um, into the green recycling bins for our local um, solid waste contractor to come and pick up. Why do you think the hashtag CPN recycles is a good positive activity? So I really like the, uh, the hashtag CPN recycles selfie challenge um, because it engages a lot of youth and, y- and younger people. I feel like it's crucially important to reach those kids when they're young age and teach them about recycling, teach them about the benefits of recycling, and uh, try to make it fun and interesting for them so they can learn about it. And then obviously that will hopefully follow them into their uh, adult years and they will uh, continue practicing that. And then we also have a lot of adults that participate in that as well. So it's just an overall it's a great event, and I, I like uh, utilizing social media for a platform to give the people a chance to showcase the fact that it's important for them to you know, recycle and they want to participate. And then we always give a prize away. So essentially how it works is you take a picture, a selfie of yourself recycling an item into one of our recycling bins, and then you post that on to, to the CPN Facebook page, and that enters you for a chance to win a prize, either an iPad or a speaker or We usually have a whole lot of support and interest in that. What sort of potential do you see in recycling? CPN is such a a large industry, and we have so many different departments and so many different people. I think that what we're doing now, uh, we're just barely scratching the surface of what we're capable of. I know through research uh, that I have done, I know that industries that are similar in size to us and, and what we do and produce their, their waste bills can be anywhere from three hundred and fifty to $400,000 a year. So I feel like through a healthy recycling program, um, a person would have no problem reducing the amount of waste by 10% or so. On those examples that are similar to you know, us in size, I feel like a, a, you know, a $400,000 a year waste bill, if you could reduce it by 10%, that's a $40,000 a year savings for that industry if you wish to do it. And then also, I know that a lot of local industries are um, paying to have their confidential documents destroyed, and that's the that that's something that you know the majority of industries our size are are paying anywhere from fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year to do that. Um, so I think that's another thing that you know we could potentially do internally, and that I would like to um, just as long as we had the you know, the manpower and the location and all those things. And uh, I think we'll get there. We just got to keep moving forward and working hard. What other examples of recycling have you seen that makes you excited for the future? One would have to be whenever I went to a training in Tulsa. I heard a guy there uh, tell, a, tell a story about how he started off and his living in his mom and dad's garage and borrowing their van on weekends to go and do um 
uh, textile collections where he would go and he would uh, collect old clothes that people didn't want or need anymore and old shoes, and then he would sell them. He went from, you know, living in his parents' garage to now, I think he said he had three different warehouses, had like 13 trucks, and employed like 30-some-odd people. So he told a quick story there about how he went to a high school who didn't have enough money to go on a a trip that they wanted to to Disney World or something so he showed up and he did a clothing drive for one week and at the end of that week the just through advertising through social media and putting out some flyers the community brought over 90,000 pounds of clothes to the location they were set up at and he sells them in three different groups he either sells them to clothes that can be washed and sanitized and reused he sells them as clothes that can be cut up and used as like shop rags and stuff that several industries use. And then he sells them to be ground down, basically down into dust to be reprocessed into new clothes. In one week of doing that at that location, he was able to pay for the school's uh, field trip to Disney World and, and then obviously pay his personnel that he had there. So I, I think there's a huge benefit there, there's, there's always new and, and innovative ways, you know, uh, of, of recycling and different things you can do. That's just one example that stuck out to me that I really liked. Find out more about Family Reunion Festival and the Recycling Challenge at cpn.news backslash festival. Or follow Citizen Potawatomi Nation on Facebook. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Our director is Jennifer Bell. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find what you listen to. We're also on Facebook at Citizen Potawatomi Nation and on Twitter at C underscore P underscore N. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at Potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A. W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Until next time, I'm Paige Willett. Miigwech nikanek, bawa mina. Thank you, friends. See you later.